just didn't make us all feel old. Yeah. I remember, like, early days of this podcast, talking about how you think your kid was finally old enough to maybe play Halo with you if you were supervised, and now... Yeah, now he's driving and picking me up from the pub, which is awesome. Alright, that's uh, handy. And... Yeah. <laughs> and looking at going to New Zealand next year for a gap year and working at bars and things, so... Yeah. <laughs> You're the one who introduced him to the pub, so I guess that's really on you, man. Yeah, yeah. No, Player 2 Pixelcast episode 102. My name is Tim Henderson. Rockin' it, bring it in. We're back to like the normal numbers. There's nothing kind of substantial. There are no more like milestone sounding numbers for a while now. I'm pretty happy about it. And then, although episode, player 2 episode something something 2. It's not gonna happen for another 20 episodes. I'm like off the hook for a while. Yeah, we are. We are. Um, and just rolling with that number 2 thing a little bit more. Um, number 2, Huso, you're the only other one here. Yeah, we are. It's it's the uh, the classic crew here, minus minus Ken. Ken. Not even see, not even like the normal savior of this show is showing up. That's kind of where we're at already. I think I think he's doing his laundry or something. I don't know. But everything, yeah. everyone else is like, "You're right, guys. We squeeze you through the door. That's it. <laughs> the wheels can fall off now." Yeah, just push that right. car by yourselves. We'll carry this till our. Dying day dying at this days. point. So. Stupid hill to die and carrying a stupid podcast. Um, thanks for <laughs> listening. <laughs> I, I guess to make things a little bit up, more upbeat, since last last week was very um, Microsoft focused, um, primi- primarily on the developer direct or whatever. But we did kind of like I guess make this to like a th- three series um, Microsoft, Nintendo, Sony focus. So today we're going to basically be talking about Nintendo, what we expect, obviously reflecting on the um, direct a bit. Um, and just kind of like saying, what do we expect from the um, Kyoto Giant for the year? And I feel very, very sorry for whoever will host our next episode because I'm sure they will do it, and then Sony will like announce the state of play like the day after the <laughs> recorded that episode. <laughs> if it's it's about Sony, I'm sure we can convince Paul to come on the next episode. Actually, it's, that's not it's a bad really idea. It's, it's, it's been it's been a it's been a while. Um, been a hot minute. But yeah, first you know, try and keep this upbeat before we get into any kind of disappointment. Um. Mm-hmm. You so apparently, you know, I'm going to ask: Are you getting any Jade Empire vibes from this this their Wild Hearts thing, which still sounds like a PS1 era JRPG to me? Well, uh, Wild Hearts is really. Uh, I, I mean, guess in Japan instead of China, but I'm looking at those visuals going. Uh. Yeah, there's there's a similar color palette being used here, but that's probably the only real uh, connection because it is much much closer to Monster Hunter in game style. Um, which is a ballsy move, right? This is from Koei Tecmo and EA uh, have teamed up, and um, which is kind of something I've never seen before. Yeah, and, that's uh, not... Yeah, I think EA has, has stumped up the funding for it, and Koei Tecmo have developed. Um, and it's, it's pretty ballsy to come into a genre that has been clearly dominated by one game and one game only. I mean, the genre is Monster Hunter, basically. Like, yeah, it's it's kind, essentially is Monster Hunter. It's kind of strange think, to think that really it is... I think maybe in the early PSP days there were some alternatives, but... Yeah, but, but basically, it's just Monster Hunter until now. And Wild Hearts has come out swinging, I've got to say. Um, they've, they've clearly taken inspiration from... Monster Hunter World is probably the the, the clearest uh, parallel, but they they they're doing some really interesting things that 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 kind of spin its own path in a lot of ways. Um, the first the first thing I've noticed is that the story is 
kind of makes sense and I'm actually interested in oh. it, which is, <laughs> which is not something you usually say about a Monster Hunter game. It's usually just a bunch of gibberish and here, go hunt this dude. Um, but here they, they've, they've gone to a lot of effort to set up a, a world and a law and a history behind these uh, monsters. Uh, uh, Kama, K- K- Kamano? Kumano? Kumano, I think. Hang on, I, yeah, I I've been watching the trailers and it's, it's yeah. super weird. The English voiceover goes to great pains. Yeah. And yeah. I actually find this, I don't, I, personally I think they shouldn't have done this, but other people would argue with me. They've gone in, from what I can tell in the English voiceover, great mm. pains to pronounce the Japanese words correctly, which just makes yeah. it sound weirdly unnatural. In the same way that Japanese would sound <laughs> really weird if they said every English word that they have adopted into their language in a proper English accent. It just, it's a different part of the vocal range. It's just this weird... It's it's funny you should say that because I watched I did a, attended a press event for it and they had interviews with the voice actors um, and all the voice actors are actually uh, Japanese speaking uh, Americans essentially so they they are Japanese Americans so that may be where that comes from you know because it's, they they speak both languages yeah every time they said uh, Minato they like the yeah, accent Minato, actually yeah. became like somewhat Japanese and it just sounded yeah. like a different voice almost like <laughs> yeah so. Uh, these Kemono, that's how they, they say it, uh, they are basically uh, monsters infused uh, because uh, nature is, isn't, isn't acting the way it should. And, you know, there's a, there's a little thinly veiled, um, you know, humans screwing up the planet jab in there. Uh, and uh, you're a hunter that's trying to, you know, save this village from, from the monsters. And there's a whole bunch of lore and, and they've built up a really interesting mythology around it all and how... Um, the hunters of old used to keep balance with the world and you're kind of a, a descendant of them. And they have access to these things called uh, karikuri, which are kind of these mystical uh, doodads, mystical things that you can instantly build. Um, so unlike normal, you can play it like normal Monster Hunter. You get your whopping big sword or your bow and arrow and you go out and hunt down the monster with the, the various abilities. Do cats or- then turn them into like a barbecue feast? No, you don't have cats. You have a little kind of mechanical ball thing that you can upgrade that's kind of your sidekick that'll do essentially the same thing that the cats do. They, it throws you, you know, health or it, it'll distract the monster for you or, you know, those sort of things. Um, but you can use these uh, uh, Katakuri in two different ways. There's, there's the set that you use during combat and the moment-to-moment gameplay. Um, so there's like a box, there's a glider, there's a, a little torch... Um, that you can use to set fire to your weapons and, and add fire damage to your attacks. And then there's a, a spring, which, you know, you can use to leap at the monster. And you can build these any time. And they're permanent structures as long as the monster doesn't crush into them and crash them. Uh-huh. Um, so so they, they hang around forever uh, on the map. Uh, you use it once in a battle and the monster doesn't destroy it, it'll be there next time you go on the map. Huh, that's um, yeah, so, but the real trick to it becomes uh, when you start making combinations of these. So, for example, if you create a three-by-three three grid of boxes, and it's very easy to do. It sounds complicated, but it's not. Uh, they, they've worked out the controls really well. It creates a wall. Instantly changes the three-by-three the, the three grid of boxes into a wall, which will stop a charging monster and stun them. giving you. So, if you can build that before, for example, there's a giant boar kind of enemy that that charges at you and could do some serious damage. But if you can get that wall up and it hits that wall, it'll be stunned for a good period of time, allowing you to do a lot of damage. So knowing these combinations, uh, the other one is if you put three 
uh, fire towers uh, on top of each other. It creates a fireworks tower, which will shoot down flying monsters and stun them for a bit. So they all have these little kind of combos that you can make. One will drop a healing mist, you know. So how um, quickly can these things be made? Because, I mean, I've played a lot. I've, made, I've played plenty of video games with the enraged animal boss that you have to force to charge into a wall, and it would be a lot more fun no, all no, the time if you could just it, make that wall disappear wherever you wanted it to. Yeah, and so literally it, it takes you a second, maybe. If you once you've once you've uh, you know in true Monster Hunter style fashion, once you've worked out the the pattern of the monster, you can signal when you've got that second to build that wall, and and it and it's really easy to do. They've they've it's just hold a left trigger and a face button, and just it, and it brings up a little reticle that you can just go bang 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 bang, and it will go and automatically combines and does everything you need it to do. It's really cool. So that's that's the first type of um katakuri the second type are even more permanent structures which are built around you kind of finding these mystic points on the map and unlocking more mystical energy and the more mystical energy you unlock the more of these permanent towers you can create or permanent structures so for example you can build new camp locations where you'll respawn when you die anywhere you want on the map they're not set like in monster hunter you can create it wherever you want uh, or you can create zip lines to get around from top of the cliff down to the bottom. Oh, we're getting a little go- bit Death Stranding here. It is. It's very much a little bit Death Stranding. So, you, for example, you can create a zip line to get down or up. It, it goes both ways because you've got you know some little contraption that'll pull you up as well as down. Or you can create these like wind tunnels, which you can float up once you create a glider. You can float up cliff faces with the wind tunnel. And so these are, are permanent. There's no way for the monsters to destroy them. Um, so once you've built them, they're there for, for good unless you choose to move them yourself. Uh, so you can very easily set up these maps that you, you quite often go and visit for multiple hunts with these great little shortcuts and build it in a way that helps you get around the map quickly. And also by using these, if you fly off a zip line, for example, and hit a monster who's, un- who's not expecting it, you can do a massive amount of damage to start, start the the attack so to start the whole cycle and you get a really good leg up by um by doing so so it really opens that kind of creative side of the brain on how you can utilize these permanent structures in in interesting exciting ways um there's also the ability to like build a forge for example while you're out there so you can do your weapon and armor upgrades on the go you don't have to go back to the home base to do it um so once you've got the components you can do it straight away as long as you've got the materials to make one so Wait, how single player friendly is this? Very. I've been playing completely single player. Uh, haven't haven't struggled at all. Um, tough battles. I've died more than once, <laughs> but uh, it all it all feels very fair. Um, I think it tailors very well. I'm hoping to because they were very generous. EA they've given Sean and Paul and myself access to the game. Oh, wow. Um, I so, guess if they so wanted sh- to play together, though, I guess they kind of have to. Yeah, yeah. So Sean's doing the review and Paul's doing some video and I'm doing the preview. So it worked out really well. Uh, we're going to... And it's cross-play. So uh, two of us are on PS5 and one's on PC. And we're, we're going to cross-play that and, and, and play together and do some hunts and things. Um, but yeah, it, and, and so those two kind of differences, the story and the, the Katakuri, really mix up how you approach monsters. It also feels very sensible in the way it approaches the UI. Uh, Monster Hunter was always very confusing, um, knowing the upgrade paths for for weapons and, and armor was always a little 
odd. You didn't quite know it almost, how things yeah, were working. It was kind of like a game where you had to be grandfathered in. It's like, well, the fans yeah. know, like NBA 2K or something, I guess. It was like, the fans yeah, yeah. just know how this works, but everyone else is just like, the ramp is You've gone, man. It's like, how do I get up here? <laughs> Whereas Wild Hearts makes everything very clear. It's obviously the first game in a, in a franchise, a potential franchise, I guess. And, um, it, it does a great job of making everything very clear on, on which animals you should hunt should you want to follow a particular path, upgrade path. Um, it provides very clear advice on new techniques and new katakuri and new, new weapons. Um, it does some great things with training. So you can actually build a training category near your base. So you can try out your weapons and switch it up on the fly and, and it'll give you advice and combos and how to use them correctly and things like that. Um, so yeah, it's done, it's done a lot of work in making the barrier to entry as low as possible without ever dumbing it down. Because I guess the real joy of Monster Hunter and now the Wild Arms, uh, Wild Hearts, sorry, is to, kind of master what they give you in a way that will give you that thrill to take down a gigantic monster or a gigantic beast. And um, Wild Hearts does that very well. There is a few little issues with the the camera and some PC optimization that's not quite there, but I've, I've got to stress, this is pre-release. You know, they're the yeah. sort of things that, that tend to get fixed in, in the day one patch. So I'm not putting too much weight in that just yet. So, you know, just a Yankee camera and, and the optimization gets a bit... Drops a few frames here and then, not not often, and certainly not not enough to ruin the game, but it, it's often enough to be noticeable. A digital foundry audience will be all over it. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so yeah, this because this hasn't had a huge amount of hype behind it. Do you think this is maybe something of a sleeper hit for this year? I think so. I think it's got a real good chance of of, of creating a. Uh, I mean, Monster Hunter fans are rabid people anyway, right? Like, I think. Um, them having another option and also for people that have been interested in Monstana having an easier option to get into um, I think it's it, it's it's got a real chance of, of becoming a word of mouth hit uh, amongst people and and it's coming to every system known to man it's got cross play I could very easily see this one well it is on EA so it will come to Game Pass at some point um, as part of the EA play uh, combination so generally that happens about six months after release, um, with almost every yeah. EA game, it's uh, like so, slowly kind of just climbing up the ladder as a year goes on. Yeah, and and they they have announced a really you know good uh, long term content plan, which this sort of game really works with. You know, they add new monsters and new hunts and things like that after the story's finished, and and that's where a lot of the like real hardcore Monster Hunter players get into it because those you know extra monsters and stuff are really designed to push your skill and, and those end game players. But, uh, I mean, I've played 10, 12 hours now. And That's a lot for I'm a preview. Thoroughly... Yeah. Well, they've, they've given us, uh, That's yeah, true. full access essentially. So at uh, 10 or 12 hours, I'm super positive. The big, the biggest question is if it holds that, uh, the same kind of hook that Monster Hunter does over such a long time. Over that like, specific audience, I guess. Yeah, you know, that, that'll that be... And that's the thing that only time will tell, I guess. Mm. But for me, it's super positive right now. I, I want to play more of it. Um, and that's... Good news, I, you can. Yes, I can. And I think that's all I can ask of it at this point in time. But yeah. Yeah, at least... Well, I'm going to have to bring the positivity like down like just a notch now. <laughs> yeah. I think it's... Yeah, I'm... I was one of, I think, well, we were one of, I guess, several outlets who got that Forspoken 
that therefore spoken review code like impossible to get a re- <laughs> impossible to get a reviewed in time for the embargo to lift like just it's not yeah um even if i played this nonstop without sleeping and wrote it up i would still be behind yeah everywhere else and oh man this is trying to this is one of the most difficult to review games i've ever ever come across like trying to write something that just wasn't a word salad while covering as much as it is to say about it as possible yeah. in itself was a nightmare i i'm normally a little hesitant when paul comes at me saying hey do you want to do a review discussion with this person and this person but this time i think that may be necessary so i should maybe get on to him about that i did write the review it's super fresh in the site as we re- record this i believe i yep, got a twitter ping like just before we started yep. recording basically but yeah um oh man for spoken i don't even know where to start um wow it's not actually bad like i actually want to get that out of the way like i actually did at the end of the day like i played all the way through and was like you know i didn't mind that i have a huge list of things that are wrong with it but i still kind of had fun most of the time despite this glaring to the point where like when scoring this like it landed on a b minus on our site and I was yep. flip-flopping between, like, a B-minus and a C-plus. And the deciding factor was just that a C-plus, when I looked at what that ha- what happened to that over a Metacritic, seemed too hush. Too hush. <laughs> like, a B-plus, like, on our end, is like 50-something percent, I think, is what it gets translated. Sorry, a C-plus a C gets translated, like, 50-something percent. It's like 58, like, I think, or something like that, yeah. Like, that's just, like, a little bit too low. I don't... It's a 6 to 7 out of 10. Like, I don't want to put yeah. it below 6. And... Th- that weird scale that a lot of people are just going to look at it from is like, going, okay, I'm, that's literally where I'm like, that's how I am making that decision. Yeah. But it's it's super weird because, like, I mean, I said this in the review, is like, I don't know if there is any other game where people have, like, preheated their hot takes about the dialogue <laughs> quite so enthusias- enthusiastically as I have with this. And there are some pretty bad lines, but... And there's, I think there's one early on, I couldn't be bothered to go back and check again, where I think Frey, our lead character, and Cuff, which is the magical talking Vambrace metal wristband, whatever you want to call it, where I think he, like, makes a jab at something she says, but assuming she says something slightly different to what her final line of dialogue was. Um, I didn't write it down fully, but I think he said, like, like, what in the world but it was interpreted as what on earth or some old, like something the other way around. So the, the dialogue in itself did not play off, which sums up what the real problem is, which is, it feels like this game was made, like was people were shut into different booths mm-hmm. and like, just kind of left with like fragments of what they were going to, what they were making was going to kind of connect to. And it's come back as just kind of like just weird mess that, Ah, uh, but yeah, so the dialogue is mostly just fine. It, it's fine in the way that the vast majority of video game dialogue is fine. I think it's a fine. Cu- couple yeah. of... The weird thing is, there's that one going around Twitter where it's like an argument between um, Frey and Cuff. People may have heard it and just was ends, ends with her saying, you're fucking stupid. The game does drop too many F-bombs. <laughs> but that thing is, like, that, that, that dialogue in itself was fine. Like, it's like, that's actually not an example of it being bad. The bad... It is poorly written, but, like... It's just the dialogue in itself is there's too much of it, but there's a slider you can turn it down, and oh, that's it's good. and it's um it's not Uncharted. Although I think the 
I because I think Amy Henning is actually involved in this in some capacity. So it's like, yeah, like there is the there is no like Sully level charisma chemistry going on between everybody. So there, it's not in like that peak of like dialogue done well. Although people who find banter annoying would probably still turn that off as well. So it doesn't really matter. Yep. Um, but it's just like weird, like frayed edges where the game feels like it opens up in a courtroom in New York. And I have to stress the let the word. This is not Noriko. Like, a, it doesn't actually like they did. It's not like it would have been so easy to either make up or just look research a courtroom in New York and say this is the courtroom you're in. It's just like just says something along the lines of a courthouse, and it just like takes you out of the place like just a little bit, and then the walk home from that you're accosted by a gang with like just the worst attempt at like tough gang is like this is not how people speak. Like this is where the bad dialogue actually is. Is like trying to portray. New York in the way it does, and, like, the whole thing's just ugly, and then, the, um, obviously the burning bag situation, which I think everybody knows about now. I hope. You're actually, so you're actually looking a little bit... I didn't, I didn't hear about it, but I've been kind of avoiding... Yeah, so... I guess I've been avoiding the discourse because I was a bit tired of yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. It's weird, I actually wasn't even looking for it, but it was just all over my Twitter feed, it was like, I can't actually not see it. Okay, but this is an example I've given in the review, and I think everybody's seen it everywhere. Where so you're playing for a year, this young woman of color, which unrealistic thing one is that she's as treated as well in the courthouse as she is. Um, but she's basically in trouble with the law and also in trouble with like street gangs that she's being dealt with. So she kind of being blackmailed into hot wire a car or something. I can't remember the exact detail, but it's not really her fault. Like, of course, because yeah. all of the crimes are not actually her fault, and she has to do them, and then she gets in legal trouble. Um, and she's like, alright, I'm gonna skip town, this is it. Um, gets back to her apartment, which does not, like, is designed to look like a bit of a wreck, but honestly, for an abandoned building, it looks pretty fucking okay. <laughs> um, and all she owns is, like, some cheap cat food, a pair of dress sneakers, because that's a thing in the world now. Mm. Um, a copy of Alice in Wonderland, because you could not be on more in the nose if you tried. This is a game about a girl who gets whisked away to a magical land after all. <laughs> Oh, I love a bad cliche. It's so it's just the fact that it's there, it's like, and she has no other books. Um, actually, this is getting to something I didn't get into the review as well, which is like a character, like when you trans kind of get whisked away to Magical Land, is apparently something of a bookworm, but it's never built into her character at all. It's just whenever there's law there, she's apparently enthusiastic about reading. And so there is things that just... It's yeah. like somebody had an idea that this could be a defining characteristic, which is cats and books are supposed to be her things. Yep. She has a pet cat called Homer, um, which she has to give to Chica. And then she has, and this is the thing that, like, drives me nuts and drove everybody nuts. This duffel bag, and then, like, the futon that's just laid out on the floor. But the duffel bag, which is filled with cash, and, like, you're looking at, like, the size of the bag and the bankrolls she's holding, and you're like, you could actually buy an apartment in Manhattan with the amount of cash that it must actually be. Unless those are all ones... (laughs) because <laughs> I think because I think the memo that went to the designers was like she has a bag full of money and so they made a bag yeah. full of money but it's like this is like a mafia like deal like going down level bag full of money so in itself it's like how is she not okay like just <laughs> like that is enough money to be okay you could get out of that situation but yeah so the scene is okay, I'm gonna skip town I've got all my savings it's gonna be me my cat and my yeah. money and we're gonna get in a bus and like just go to the countryside or something forever. Get out um, like and, a or somewhere. You know, fade out, fade in, and, like, the entire built and, like, her apartment's on fire because the gang has said, fuck you, basically. And this is... The money is, gets burnt, let me guess. 
it's worse. You wake it's up worse. and the duffel bag is on the floor by the doorway from the bedroom to like the main room. And you can press X to try and pick it up and she just won't. <laughs> She's like, I have to find my cat first. I'll worry about the bag full of money later. And ah! Look, it's it's huh, like I'm no you, cat guy myself. But. Like the thing is, I understand the cat is it, but one, it's a fucking cat. If there is an w- open window, it will be okay. Yep. So yeah, she actually finds a cat like cowering below the sink. I'm like, oh no, the cat. I don't. I also don't think that's how a cat would be behaving in that scenario. And it yeah. would definitely not let her calmly there, pick critting. it up under her arm. And then obviously you try and get back to where the money is, and like Every now, now the fire is. Probably- Ha- Set fire to the place to start. Yeah, it's like, cats are assholes. This is a very... I'm sitting there going, so, wait, the cat's that tame. You could have used that bag to carry the cat more easily. Um. So then when you try and get back to your money, like, obviously that's when, like, the flames just burst, like, really violently at the door. And you're just sitting there thinking, there are so many... Like, the money could have been on fire when she woke up, and it would have been fine. She, it could have. She could have put it in a closet, like up high somewhere. Obviously, it stops somebody from stealing it, and then it would have been unsafe to get to, and it would have been fine. But it's right there at her fucking feet, and so it's it's a mix of like like all of the all of the narrative beats are completely okay, but the <laughs> if they were done, the, in the details right are just way. like nobody is looking at anybody else's memos. It sounds like story by committee. And there's yeah, and there's just other other stupid shit like you, so you get translated to this kind of medieval-esque fantasy world um and it's being kind of corrupt. So, I guess for me like young young woman must cleanse a cleanse corrupted land has become a subgenre that I've been playing over the last year because between this Kina and the last um, Horizon game that just seems to be the scenario I'm finding myself in. And so you get there and you're like surrounded by this weird mist that is called the break because according to the law that is written, I don't, I feel like this is a bunch of stuff that was supposed to like be communicated better. Is it basically your character free? Just started calling it that. And then the entire populace was like, cool, let's call it the break. I'm like, surely, ah. surely she would have learned what it's called from other people. And, like, they would have gone... And there's no, nothing wrong with calling it the break. It's just how mm. they got there again. It's just, like, nobody put any thought to that. But she kind of, like, runs through and, like, gets some... Med- obviously, is transported with this thing on her arm now and, like, has some magic abilities, so she manages to, you know, not die. But also, like, being in the break should basically be, like, giving you cancer. It should be some, like, Last of Us-type shit happening to you. And that doesn't <laughs> happen. So she gets to, the, like, the one last human settlement that's not corrupted or whatever. And then people are understand I'll be a little bit freaked out. You got the xenophobia going on. Um, yep. But, you know, it's like kind of medieval, like swords and spears. And then she's like still just being incredibly sassy with them. And I'm like, going, I refuse to believe, although maybe after the money thing, I should, that she's so dumb that she's still going to like give like New York sass <laughs> to like a <laughs> medieval like justice system. Sword. Like, there's no way you're not getting decapitated. <laughs> and then like, I've just got this picture of her in Monty Python and the Holy Grail as the French. <laughs> John Cleese. <laughs> like, I fight in your general direction. <laughs> oh, and then, like, how... And then, like, the break out of prison, like, again, like, all of these... All of the beats that happen are fine, but the execution every single time is like, that... This is just not creative. It doesn't work. It's breaking it for me. But here's the thing, like, 
to get beyond all the stupid story shit, it feels really good to run around in this game. Yeah. Like, the actual, when you get out into the open world, and I was point out, like, it's more structured than your average open world game. This is kind of like, if, almost as if, like, Japan had, Japan had not, um, kind of stumbled out of the gate when everything went HD. If you kind of remember, yep. like, the first couple of years of HD consoles, Japanese developers were just not ready for it. You know, PC gaming's not big over here. Yeah. Um, PS2 was just, like, a freaking monster, like, the early head start of the 360 meant nothing there, so the developers had no reason, I guess, at least on a surface level. Initially, yeah. Um, if, like, Japan had, like, not stumbled at the end of the PS2 life and, like, had had a big hand in how open-world design went, this is kind of like a vision of how we may have gotten some different-looking stuff. Yeah. Um, so, like, it's more structured, and moving around is great, like, this kind of, like, accelerated high-speed running, like, magic parkour effectively through the land just feels it just feels so good to run around and if they had built everything around that better <laughs> my gosh because like you just have this handful of spells and most of them are projectiles but like running around and doing this at the same time like it's very hard to stay focused on what you're supposed to target the targeting system doesn't work most of the time or at least it doesn't work how you like want it to it takes about 10 hours before you get a melee attack or like a real melee attack I guess which honestly more melee attacks would have done this better. Like, it's so easy to imagine, like, just having her flying around with, like, a magical sword, like, kind of becoming an extension of her arm, like, burst into flames or something would have worked, like, super well mechanically. But it also insists on, like, giving you all of your access to all of the attacks all the time, which means you use fewer of them and you're slowing down a lot more. Yeah. Um, which is, it's a problem that's plaguing a lot of games right now, which is, like, too much stuff, like, learn to streamline. Um, this has the classic one of like, okay, you can craft stuff, and of course, you have you're just using random shit that you picked up to craft with, and because you have too many things you can pick up, you're just kind of hoping that you've when you're running around, you picked up the right shit to upgrade yep. whatever it is you want. But also the attacks is like it's radial menus upon radial menus. So you start off with your own skill set, and that's like two different radial mem- menus, like kind of got the more supportive and then the direct attacks. Then when you get the next one that becomes its own menu and you have to switch between them. So you eventually have, like, four different mm. sets of two radial menus. Like, maybe, like, just give you, like, three or four different core attacks and, like, a toggle to, like, switch the element or something. Like, it... Yeah. It... By trying to give you too much stuff, like, it really actually stops you from doing that much. Because nobody is going to sit there going, all right, I want to change to this one now and I want to just go back into the radio menu and change to this one now. Like, you want, like, just a hot toggle between, like, two attacks. Like, people play Doom. Yeah, this shit works. Yeah. Like, you have a lot of weapons, but you're not using every single one of them unless you're an insane person. You just cycle through as you run out of ammo. <laughs> I, but no, you're... And, I mean, if they design the combat encounter as well, you know what? All right, this one is going to be good for a shotgun and maybe something else on the side. Like, Yeah. And that's like a painful comparison piece for this to come out so close to the Dead Space remake. Because yeah. Dead Space is a masterclass of, like harmony between an attack set and what you're attacking Mm -hmm. like those things are designed around each other and they're just in horizon I'm saying horizon why am I saying horizon for spoken (laughs) they are absolutely not yeah yeah there are a few things I I kind of feel like it's the type of game I want to pick up on a steam sale at some point and just it's absolutely like when it's on sale for 30 bucks like it's probably worth it for the curiosity yeah yeah I kind of this morbid curiosity to see it in action. It's great to run, like, 
it's frustrating just because you can see the good bits in there mm. and see how like just maybe like really poor project management or something just kind of causes it to fall apart but you can kind of see that somewhere in there there's these really great ideas and like a bunch of the pieces that are kind of okay by themselves were not just put together properly Look, I don't want to, you know, throw stones or anything, but suggesting Square Enix is poorly managed <laughs> <laughs> is in a massive stretch. I guess we'll see how Final Fantasy sixteen turns out. I guess the sad thing here is, like, this game does a very good job of, like, actually being kind of representative. Like, it does not have, like, the just kind of the white blanket that sixteen looks like it is going to have at all. Yeah. Yeah, and it it tries, and I think it actually mostly sticks to landing with a lot of this stuff. Like, like some of your abilities are upgraded through like basically nail polish, which not only is like just fucking cool and it works for empowering a female character. It makes sense if you're doing magic. Like it's yeah. such a neat little idea, but like these nails, like they're just you never really funnel towards them. It just becomes part of the just blet side quest vomit on the map. Yeah, like they don't. Oh, it's so it's so frustrating because there's like, so many neat little things there, and it just never quite, never quite congeals. But then I, you know, I didn't hate it. I enjoyed running around with it. I couldn't. I would not recommend anybody get it. But I would also also not advise you against it if you thought it looked neat. Yeah, the 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 happy six out of ten, seven out of ten. It's game. it's a six out of ten that I enjoyed on the level of a seven out of ten. I guess. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's an interesting way to put it. <laughs> I I don't know. It like I said, it's I've not had this much trouble reviewing something in a long time. It, I mean, it's always odd, right? The the most mediocre of average games is always harder to write about than the shittest or the best. I think it's because they uh, they are probably less focused. Like it's harder to yeah. like if something's well done, you can go and just make it into a simple sentence because everything worked together. The sentence works together, but the more fragmented yeah. it is. You've got like these notes about all these things. It's like, like it's just so messy trying to fit cram all of it into a review. Like, yeah, like stuff like actually, I did get it. Is in this like occasionally you have like just moments of quote unquote world bu- world building where you're talking to your Vambrace cuff, and you can't even walk. Like, forget like that stupid shit from the earliest Assassin's Creeds where you're like stuck just like walking around. You know, like here you're literally stuck in spot. This is a game where at its best you are running up the side of fucking cliff faces. <laughs> Oh, this is funny. It really is. I, yeah, it, I and, really want to continues your long tradition of asking and for games to review. Games that, that seem super interesting shit. and fun. They're not shit, but they're like always just like the could have beens. Like, yeah. If I ask for a game that's like more than like some super 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 obscure indie, it will either we will not be given the key in time, which is which has happened a few times, or it's going yeah. to be. Uh, just the most mediocre the, shit on the planet. <laughs> the, the could have beans. Last year, yeah. last year was um, Ghostwire Tokyo. Yeah. If if we'd re- if we'd gone with the developers separately, I could have had Hi-Fi Rush. How good would that been? Yeah. Tango's killing it this game. year. That game yeah. was freaking rad. It um, is awesome. It is. If I can say it, it is very awesome. Um. Anyway, yeah. Sadly, that is not on Switch. Um. But yeah, we're going to take a short break now. When we're going to come back, we cannot talk about Hi-Fi Rush because it's going to be all focused on Nintendo.
we're back and we're moving into... I want to say, like, more happy, shiny stuff, but, I mean, that is kind of Nintendo's go-to shtick. But we're gonna... Yeah, basically, what do we expect to see from Nintendo this year? And a lot of that, I guess, is going to be responding to the um, Nintendo Direct that actually just happened. But you know what? It's, it's not... pretty pretty hot by the looks of it, things, too. It was an incredibly My Jam one as well. Like, this. Yeah. So, to put, to put this in perspective, I'm a Sega kid for whom the GameCube was his first Nintendo home console and the first two games he bought for his GameCube were Pikmin and Metroid Prime. <laughs> well, so it's a pretty good show for you. It was, <laughs> I had even had like fucking somebody Amigo in there and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen him since he was an extra in Monkey Ball. Uh- <laughs> I actually have the original and the Maracas on Dreamcast. Like that's how deep I was down that, that rabbit hole at like the end of high school or wherever. <laughs> but no yeah I mean people were like wondering like how much juice does the Switch have left in it and then like this kind of dropped and yeah it was super timely right I think I I felt like the last last six months especially it feels like everyone's kind of like come on Nintendo she's she's long in the tooth the old Switch it's about time we got an update um, and it still is long in the tooth don't get me wrong, but they kind of come out firing and swinging and say, hey, we've, st- we've still got something to give. I, I don't think we're seeing a new Switch until next year at the earliest. No, I, I, I think I think we might get an... There might be a, a similar... I guess we should get it out of the road quickly, right? Because it's what everyone wants to talk about with Nintendo. But I don't think we'll see an announcement until probably October, November. They might do a direct then, I, similar to when the original Switch launched. I don't even and think then, I think I like, think at the best the case January thing. February next yeah. year because they'll probably announce and release in like a two to three month window. Like it's going to be like super, mm. and they're going to do that weird Nintendo thing where they can somehow keep everything under wraps. Yeah, I, they they have firing squads to shoot any leakers. Nintendo uncles, the long story yeah. of the Nintendo uncles, like the original. <laughs> they don't exist because they've all been shot by Nintendo. <laughs> <students>. <laughs> Although in my case as a kid, it was literally a Sega uncle. Like, Sega uncle? Let's see. <laughs> it's weird how the internet's kind of destroyed the Australian pronunciation of Sega. Because it actually says Sega in like all of the ads and shit we had as a kid. As yeah. kids. I think even like the boot attend of the Mega Drive may have been closer to Sega than Sega. But yes. it is actually Sega, and the internet has corrected the entire country. <laughs> and, and Sonic, the start of the game, it's, it's Sonic yeah. used to say it. Sega. All of the Mega Drive games yeah. did, basically. Like, very yeah. few didn't. Like, it just sang it out like that. Um, but yeah, this is not a, as much as I would like it to be. <laughs> Mega Drive podcast. <laughs> you need Rob for that one. <laughs> no, looking at Nintendo. And, but, like, holy crap, man. Like, so Pikmin 4 actually has a date, and it's not mm-hmm. that far away. Yeah, that's a trick that Nintendo like to pull, isn't it? With their, not, not, I won't say B tier games, but, not Mario or Zelda games. <laughs> they they like to go, uh, oh, here here's, here's a trailer and it's out in like a month. Yeah. Go for it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's because like we knew it existed, like they kind of confirmed its existence and then... Mm. So it actually has me like a little... I'm not going to go all in, but like a little bit optimistic that maybe Metro Prime 4 will actually appear at the end of this year. Um, See, I... 
I am kind of at the point now Metro Prime is a Switch 2 launch title. I mean, that is also possible to bum me out because I already own a Switch. I do not want to have to buy a Switch 2 to play this game. I, I feel like that's... that's if it wasn't... I originally thought it was going to be Zelda, which it clearly isn't now. Um, so I think it'll be Metro Prime. I don't, I don't know if Metro Prime has a cachet to um, launch a system in the same level as Zelda or Mario. No, I think there'll be a Mario game to go with it. I think it'll be a one-two punch. Well, this is this because, is where our speculation gets later this year. So yeah. my, my, my basic thinking yeah. is, okay, we've got the... Sh- I guess Shadow Drop is a term now. Yeah. They, they saw what Microsoft did with um, Hi-Fi Rush and were like, yeah, watch this. <laughs> Anything you can do. And and the thing's not fair is like Metro Prime is disturbingly like a 20-year-old game now. Yeah. Um, but like, it's a proper remake. This is no like Mario 3D All-Stars bullshit. This is like, you're looking at that going, this looks like a modern game. It. I haven't touched my Switch since I got a Steam Deck. <laughs> I want to go and play the Switch now because of Metro Prime. I never played it originally. Um, I, my first console, my first Nintendo console that I owned was a Wii. So, um, I never, I never actually experienced any of the Metro programs. I never got the remake on the Wii. So I, I'm keen. I, I hear so much good, good about it that, that, uh, yeah. I am very curious to see how people who have, not played it before actually respond like mm. um definitely like it's the sort of thing that i want right now like, i want that kind of slow paced like moody exploration is something i could definitely go for um i'm disturbed that they could actually just sell me this game again and again but also i'm like so i feel like the um shadow drop of prime 4 it could be indicative of two things one is just like here's a bone mm. although the theory that you know, there were, like, theories that, like, remasters or whatever had been finished for ages. And maybe this is it. Maybe it has been finished for, like, two years and they're just, like, waiting for the right time. So either yeah. it's, like, here's a bone just to keep you satiated. Or this is just a drum of interest again because Prime 4 is actually finally coming coming along. Um, but also, like, we forget, I don't know if it's going to be good or not, um, that Mario movie is is a thing and we have we know nothing about and it's fucking Mario man like you would like is it would not surprise me but it would also not not surprise me because Nintendo who knows if there was like an Odyssey 2 or like just a new type of big Mario game released around yeah. the same time it seems almost crazy for it to not happen which entirely means it could not happen because again Nintendo it's Nintendo but it's yeah, a I, big I, Mario I game know. and they haven't had one Odyssey was a while ago man <laughs> It was it was a long time ago. It's been a long break between 3D Mario games. Like they they redid uh, 3D Mario World, which is a tight game, but it's it's not Odyssey or it's not Galaxy. Um, so yeah, we haven't had that big exploring 3D Mario for quite a while now. So you have to think they're working on one. I mean, yeah, like I said, like this direct was. Put- I forgot the exact wording. It was like stuff coming out in the next six months or something was there. Yeah. So they'll have another one at, you know, not not at E3, but E3 time, whenever they have the new E3 Nintendo. is just becoming a splot in the calendar at this point. E3. Yeah, it's just that that <laughs> June June window, about the second week of June. Um, and I think it'll be for all the majors. They'll they'll keep their conferences there and, and Jeff Keighley will fill the gaps in between. <laughs> he must be like just rubbing his hands together going, this is just falling into place perfectly. And this is, this is a little bit of a tangent, 
But I've got to give the guy credit. He's actually an interesting guy when when it's just him talking to developers. He does very well in in talking to developers. I find him quite interesting to watch. So I know he's um he, he's he's a talented guy that that's run with it. And you know, as much as he got stick for his overly produced shows and and, thing, and advertising and all that stuff, he yeah, I don't he, think it's the production value that's a problem. I think it's like just the yeah. sheer level of like commercial, which obviously obviously needs to exist because yeah. The production value have- is not free. Production value yeah. takes time and effort and is generally expensive. Yeah, so like as much as he cops stick, I think he's done really well. So I won't, I won't bag him too I much. I think that could, uh, yeah, it could be like refined and maybe made a little more palatable. Mm. But you know what? I'm not in charge of doing it, so I can sit back and armchair criticize. And it's American. It. Like I think Australians have a, a, a general problem with that overly American style presentation anyway. Yeah. Well, he's so Canadian, so who knows? I guess he just figured out that market. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we're de- deviating quite a bit from Nintendo here. So yeah, this 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 character is like weird for me in the sense that I didn't actually watch it. I was just like, I'm just too busy. I started watching. It's like, oh, cool, Pikmin Four, sweet. Because um, I think I put it out there before. Pikmin is probably actually my personal favorite Nintendo um property. So it's like, yeah. But we also meant that I thought I'd seen everything I needed to see. It's like, oh. I have a bunch of stuff I have to do. I need to get ready for work. I have to sort this other thing out. You know what? Mm. I'm just gonna turn this off now, and I'll just like read it on my phone later on the train or something talk about a fucking nintendo direct to like not actually sit down with and like enjoy a cup of coffee over like that's how yeah. i learned like metroid prime and shadow dropped i didn't see the trailer i just saw like a random tweet on news stories somewhere everyone blowing up on twitter and yeah. i was like oh man i missed that would have been fun to see that happen and lose my mind as well <laughs> yeah, I didn't watch it either. I was in meetings all day at work, so it made it very hard. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I've been going through it, and holy hell, like, even for me, who's generally not into a lot of Nintendo stuff, like, as my primary sort of genres, I guess, there's there's some stuff here that's so cool. Uh, Dead Cells, obviously, that was the first thing that strikes me, is that, I mean, that Castlevania that, DLC. That, I feel like that DLC has just been a long time coming. Yeah, it looks very cool, and the fact that they were allowed to do that. It, it, I don't know. I did, I never expected Konami to be on board with that sort of thing. Um, but, uh, I, be, I mean, the the Mickey game looks strangely... Well, it's a Mickey game, and they put the word illusion in the title, which is, again, yeah. like, my Sega kid is, yeah. like, coming out... To, like, obviously, it's very visual. It's the modern Mickey design. And it, it kind of it kind of feels looks, a bit Rayman Origins ish. But I'm like I'm down with this. You've put the word illusion yeah. in the Mickey Mouse game, and it's a platformer. Like again, yeah. you're like you're tickling my inner eight year old. That sounded wrong, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Whoops. Because <laughs> that that was like a thing of like that era era of Sega. Like, yeah. These were actually pretty good. Like they were a rare case of like pretty good like licensed platform games. Disney had a string of good licensed platform like games. Eight, sixteen bit. Like there were a couple of yeah. duds, but I think for the most part they were actually striking home. Um, yeah, yeah. This deck of police thing looks really cool. I wish maybe if it wasn't glorifying cops quite so much, I'd like to see that trend die away a little bit. But the game itself looks pretty rad. Yeah, it, it's a hard one, right? That that police. It's been such a, a cliche. And I think people want to be good police officers, but mm. and play as good police officers. They just don't seem to exist. <laughs> yeah, it, it's just propagating that image. Is like we need to stop yeah. like creating them to be heroes. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, it's kind of cool to see Ghost Trick coming back. Like, I remember that was, like, Jikel's, like, he was fighting with Hyper Magazine back in the time to get that made the actual game of the year back when it was, like, a DS title. <laughs> Which is an interesting full circle, because at the time, the question was simply asked, can a handheld title be game of the year? My background thinking is, well, of course it can, if it's good enough. Yeah, if it's but good enough, it's... Now it's know, both right? anyway, so who cares? Yes. I've never played the Ghost Trick games, so... Like I said, my Nintendo background's pretty recent like i played i caught up on a lot of the snes library thanks to emulators really but um everything else there's there's big holes in my in my uh history with nintendo because i was always a pc guy and never allowed to have a console in the house so oh wow that's that's grim yeah yeah so uh, i was always pc and then when i moved out my first console was actually an xbox so yeah, it's weird how successful that system seems to have been. Like, everybody I knew in Australia, like, locally. Yeah. Like, if we're going by my community, the Xbox is, like, the biggest console on the planet. Clearly not actually the case, but... Yeah, it was... It was. I think it was an easy transition for a PC player who didn't have money to keep upgrading his PC at the time. So, <laughs> it felt like the, like the logical step. <laughs> But yeah, like back to Nintendo, like there's just so much stuff that came out of this, and I'm, although including some more disappointing um, Mario Kart, disappointing looking, I should say Mario Kart DLC. Like I feel like those courses. Have not although been- that Yoshi Island one looks pretty rad. Um, I like. I've always liked that kind of Yoshi Island visual. So. Oh yeah, I, back when the first came out, this Ness. I am surprised it took them that long to make a um, Mario Kart track out of that kind of aesthetic. That, that kind of paper kind of yeah whatever aesthetic they go for but yeah you know, like that, late, that's you know Layton's coming back like the new world of Steam yes uh, I never played the Professor Layton games either no they're, they're, I, actually they're very much not my jam from what I've like I've literally never played them because I'm looking at them going this is exactly what I don't want an adventure game to be yeah so I, I think yeah, two episodes ago when playing um, The Lair of the Clockwork God, I was like explaining the one thing I don't want an adventure game to be is walk around, talk to some people, and then here's a puzzle. Please arrange these max sticks in the right order, or please solve these mosaic tiles. It's like, no, that is exactly not what I want from an adventure game, and it seems like Leighton has a lot of that in it, at least just going by all the videos and things I've seen. But people seem to like really love them, and I'm, willing, I'm totally willing to believe that they have a legitimate charisma about them. Yeah, yeah. I know uh, Jess loves Professor Layton games, and I, she's not the only one. They've obviously got a cult following. Um, I hear it, the name a lot. But it, yeah, I find it, it's a genre that's kind of doesn't appeal to me inherently. Uh, a little less active for my li- liking, I guess. I, want, I basically want the puzzles to like be a part of the game world, not some separate. Here's a puzzle from the New York Times. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a strange structure, I think. But obviously it appeals to a lot of people. I think the one that I'm super keen for out of this list, uh, apart from, I guess, the bigger announcements, is um, Advance Wars. That, that's a gap in my back catalogue that I really want to fill because, you know, it's well known that I like a turn-based strategy game. Um, and yeah, you this just seems don't want to play Fire Emblem for some reason. <laughs> I, I just haven't got around to it, I guess. But, yeah, I think, uh, you know, this is one that's held in high regard. Uh and I, I want to find out why. So I'm yeah. keen to give that a go. And I think it was originally a GBA game, wasn't it? Or it's, I think it started its life in the Game Boy, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm keen to see what they've done to it, and I guess they'll have to modernise it. I want to see the meetings at Nintendo where they decided, have Russia been at war with Ukraine long enough for us to like now make it okay to release this? Because, like... Yeah. It's kind of like a grim situation where it's like, okay, the war's normalised enough now that I guess we can release this game that was too shocking at the time. Like, it's not over, nothing's resolved, but... Mm, yeah, it's it's a difficult situation. That happened to that latest Guy Ritchie movie too, because the bad guy, Operation Fortune or whatever it's called, the bad guy was Ukrainian arms dealer, and so they they made yeah, this movie yeah. and then went, oh shit, yeah, that's actually probably worse. Even <laughs> we can't do anything with this. <laughs> Hugh Grant's all of a sudden got to change all his lines from <laughs> Ukrainian war criminal to. I don't know, Uzbekistan or somewhere, somewhere generic Eastern European. That just not yeah, like just make it a bit yeah. more. This up yeah. There. <laughs> um, I I don't know the 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 Game Boy stuff. The game, yeah, odd. we need to touch on the Game Boy stuff. Actually, I think it's overdue. I guess <laughs> it, it, it does, and it feels like. Uh, right, I want to yeah, pull up like, the list too because late. it is super weird. I don't know if it's actually going to be too late. Those games are always going to be as aged as they are. Yeah. I don't know that age-wise, I think it feels like that's something people have been expecting of Nintendo for, well, since they released the SNES and NES games. But it's like it's so, also excited, like, and this is the thing they're very good at, is it's also excited a lot of people that they've announced them at last, and it's a new thing. Yeah. Technically. Technically, it's like to be excited about to keep that subscription going. Um, Yeah, but they've got like some like like bona fide classics in there. Um, But the thing that like, and I don't think I'm the only person notices like Gargoyle's Quest is a bit weird. But then Kirby's Dream Land, very short game, but like actually, when I was looking at it, there must have been a bug on the eShop. I found it hilarious. Like it was listed as rated M for like horror themes. (laughs) Kirby's Dream Land, like um. Legend of Zelda, Link to the Past, Metroid 2, Mario Land 2, Tetris, obviously, Warrior Land, and then the most recent Alone in the Dark. Which was terrible. The Game Boy version. Yeah, the the actual good version was terrible, so it was the Game Boy version. It's just such a weird addition to the list. <laughs> but that follows suit, right? Some of the SNES releases have been... Super obscure mm. or just dumb. Well, it makes sense, I think, if you're dropping, like, a couple of extra games every couple of months or something. But, like, just as part of the launch lineup, and, like, if you look at the screenshot, like, on Nintendo's own site, it is the one that is, like, the biggest and most highlighted. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's odd. That's really odd. I remember uh, playing the Wario games, though. Um a friend had a Game Boy. Yeah, apparently really the cool, Warrior Land but... games are very... I'm actually very keen to play, play Super Mario Land 2, which I had a Game Boy, but I never never played that. Never I, wanted. I do want to see, like, is that going to hold up as, like, just some simple on-the-train fun? Because that's how I'm going to play it. It's, like, it is made yeah, for handheld yeah. mode. Yep. And then if you've got, the, like, the more advanced version of um, Nintendo Online... I'm in this weird case where I technically have it because I'm part of Hope's family circle somehow. I don't remember like what such circumstance led, led to her adding me there. Um, Hope, if you're listening, you get you know, you don't have to keep on paying for my Nintendo Online if you have someone else um, who maybe needs it more. 
I think at the time I wanted to play Animal Crossing, which I owned briefly and was never able to connect with anyone's island. And, and so, like, it was a total bust. <laughs> um, so maybe I'll try something again. But I think you need to have the, like, more spendy version to be able to access the game yeah, yeah. games, which have probably aged a little bit better. Yep. But also, at the same time, it is very much going to be just a nostalgia scratch. So you got the, was it, the Game Boy Advance, Mario Kart. Cool. But also, if you have Mario Kart 8, the only reason to play that other one is, again, just for, like, the nostalgic kicks yeah. of remembering what it was like to be alive and in And how long does that last for? Yeah. Yeah, no, no, none of my kids want to play an old Game Boy Advance game or a Game Boy game. I probably... Well, I mean, Rob probably does. Um, yeah. <laughs> there are probably, like, depending on the game, but a lot... I mean, this is the curse of a lot of them is, like, especially with Nintendo... Key, like Mario Kart is probably actually the worst case scenario where the best Mario Kart is also the mo- always just the most recent yeah or the one you first played but like stuff like I think isn't Golden Sun like confirmed to come later on like that never really got any sort of home release like that's gonna be super interesting to see if that like holds up yeah like we'll get some, like a- some of the Japanese stuff that didn't ever get a wide release in Australia would be cool you know um but whether or not it does. It seems to be the case, though, that in these kind of emulation programs that some of the obscure stuff gets released that didn't really get a wide release because, obviously, back in the day, Australia wasn't guaranteed to get anything. Yeah. We were lucky to get Mario, to be honest. So. <laughs> I think Mario is probably yeah. showing, but yeah. Yeah, but yeah, some of this stuff just never made it because, you know, we were Australia and they couldn't be bothered or whatever. Well, it's a case of like, this is already a niche thing anyway and we're sending it to a smaller country. How many copies are we going to sell? It's probably not worth the shipping. Because these are cartridges as well, so shipping was probably a legitimate concern. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, I actually do think they have value though, especially as part of a subscription thing and I hate defending that as opposed to being able to buy and like own them Mm. outright because... There is still fun to be had in a legitimate cause for like, okay, I'm going to spend a week dicking around with these things and maybe none of them are going to go deep, but it's still going to be a fun week, like just kind of messing around with and like saying, hey, what was that? I'm going to try this one on the train tomorrow and this one on the bus the next day. Yeah. And, you know, that's cool. Or maybe you'll just have a couple of friends around and you're just going to go spend the night going through the catalog and it'll be a great night and then that'll be it. But again, that night in itself is probably... It's worth the effort. Yeah. So, yeah, I forget. Like, I think for some people, that's actually going to be huge. Um, yeah, I think so. I think I think a lot of people have a really strong attachment to the Game Boy and the Game Boy Advance. I mean, the Game Boy was so. just so, so defined. I mean, people keep forgetting when we talk about how well the Switch is sold, that mm. the Switch is the handheld and the thing put together. And it's like, yeah, it's outsold the Wii now by, like, how much? But has it outsold the Wii and the DS put together? It's like, not even fucking close. No. Like... No, no. Nintendo just had such a stranglehold on anything portable. And they still do, really. I mean, uh, yeah, Sony tried and... Made two failed. pretty good consoles, honestly, but... Yeah. Like, just... Just didn't support them. Whereas N- Nintendo, yeah, just go all in on these things and, and as a result, just owned the market. That's why the Switch is doing so well. Is like They've kind of just merged those teams together so there's no A-team, B-team anymore. Yeah. And also why I think they're not too worried even like about the Steam Deck in part because the Steam Deck doesn't have detachable things but no, at the end no. of the day like the market for this 
I mean, these handheld PCs are starting to go crazy now. Like, everybody seems to want a piece of them. But I think the crossover between the actual Switch and the Steam Deck is probably only, like, 5% of the audience. I think that's probably, um, you know, most of the Steam Deck owners, if they're into console gaming, have a Switch anyway. Like, well, the thing is, they're it, still it, going to buy... Yeah. Uh, some are going to probably, like, emulate in the grey market or whatever, but a lot of them are still going to buy Tears of the Kingdom. Like, it... Yeah. And they'll probably still buy whatever the next Switch is. And I do... My prediction, I guess, for next year, or maybe even the year after, is that it we're not going to get another shift in what the console is from Nintendo. We're going to see an expansion of a the Switch idea. Switch too. Yeah, I, I mean, think for the first time ever, I think Nintendo are going to just play it... Not play it safe or such, but, you know, they'll follow, follow the course they've set. They're not going to reinvent the wheel. So you, like, they seem... Well, I mean, it's going to be the Super Nintendo all over again. Yeah, yeah. So that was the last time they did it, right? They they kind of reinvented the wheel a bit with the GameCube. GameCube. And then the Wii was a big thing, and then the Wii U kind of... But Iwata's not around anymore either, so like that guy is not yeah. going to be like any driving force. So Yeah. I think the safe bet, really, they'll just a powered version. They will probably manage to do something that I'm not imagining with it, but... Like, for 90% for the purpose, it's going to be a more powerful Switch. Yeah. Which is, is overdue, because, I mean, apart from Nintendo themselves, and even even in some cases Nintendo, they're struggling to get performance out of the Switch. The question is, how much is that actually going to matter to them? I, I think they're going to be completely happy running with their own first party and indie games for the next year and a half. Yeah, yeah. I, it, I think the Zelda... Okay, we'll get to Zelda, I guess. I think that's going to be a tell. Um, How well that if they can't If they can't get Zelda running smooth, uh, you know, a solid 30. Oh, like occasional dips into the high, t- high 20s, but generally. Yeah, yeah, but, you know, a generally a solid 30. If that's not running at a solid 30, then the Switch is dead. There's And that will be the, I guess, the topic of discussion when it comes out. Um, but if they can do that, then I guess they can get that big open world running well and looking gr- good, uh, then I guess there is life left in the old war Because, I mean, they've made some, like, mm. smart design. Like, they've still made some stuff look pretty good on it. it just Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're just past the um, era of the quote-unquote impossible port where, you know, you had these, like, PS4 <laughs> games that were, like, very... Not always, but in some cases very smartly designed. Um, I think Alien Isolation was a great one where, like, the way they like retooled the visuals like it was almost indistinguishable like they just made such smart Tony Hawk did a very smart way of it instead of going for that realistic look they kind of almost went cell shaded for the Switch version which obviously was easier for it to process and they did a really good version of that so So I think my general prediction for the remaining year of the Switch is it's going to be very much probably um, cutting deals with indies first party stuff and maybe some like mid-tier Japanese studios that they could probably, again, like, go, hey, develop a game for us. Yeah. And to you, this is going to be banked. This may not be banked to friggin' Activision, but then God knows what's happening with Activision at the moment, so. <laughs> That's a whole other podcast, that is. Oh, no, I am not touching that one. If somebody else wants to, like, handle... Uh, yeah, there's a lot to digest there. But, yeah, I think... I, I do honestly feel the Switch is old at this point. It was old when it came out. <laughs> like, yeah, it's it, it's, but it's really showing its age mm. recently. Um, and I think 
as good as this direct was, and it really was good. There's a lot of great stuff in it. Uh, you just can't escape that feeling that it's it, it, it's probably almost time that Nintendo bite the bullet and announce. The, the oh, I'm, I mean, I'm sure they've been designing it, but I mean, I think a part, yeah. like it's we're in a like unique situation at the moment. I think Nintendo is in a uniquely privileged situation where like yeah. the availability of things kind of keeps on going like up and down and like like finally baking that hardware and like making it so we can produce enough of them at a certain cost. They're going to do that probably just when it is easiest and cheapest for them. Yeah. Um to get it out there. We're not going to see any sort of meaningful discount on the Switch until that happens. No. They haven't ever it's like Nintendo games. They never go on sale. Ever. If they do, it's, it's 10 bucks. I guess, like, the wildest thing I'm thinking of is, like, standing at Osaka Station recently, and there's, like, this huge-ass billboard that's been there forever for Mario mm. Kart 8. And I'm th- sitting there thinking, man, that was, that, was, that was a Wii U game. Yep. And they just put the DLC in, and then, like, saw it again. And, like, they haven't had to make a Mario Kart for this system, and they probably won't. I'm, like, going no, just... I, I, there's no way. The evergreen think- nature of this thing is just <laughs> insane. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is. And only Nintendo can do it that way. Like, it, Xbox or Sony or, or any PC developer would get called out and be flayed across the universe for these kind of, the way Nintendo does things. But some reason, Nintendo makes it work for them. Sometimes and sometimes people call the stuff that they the decisions they make dumb and what they mean by dumb is like I don't like it but clearly it's yeah. working so it's it's yeah, like yeah, it yeah. should be dumb but it's not because they're getting away with it. Yeah, it feels like it shouldn't work but it does. <laughs> I, I I mean a part of that is just like I guess in some ways corporate sinister but in others like sometimes it, like if you just really make a polished approachable enough game Mm. And don't feel a need to immediately make a sequel to, like, cash in on it. You probably can continue to ride. Yeah. That way. And, and, and I think they don't look at... I think what Nintendo does better than, than any other publisher is they don't look at that first week of sales as the be-all and end-all. Like, I think they look at the lifespan of the product a lot uh, better than, than other... It, it feels to me like publishers these days look at that first week and go, oh, it didn't sell a squillion titles in the first week. It's done. It's kind of like Give a self-fulfilling prophecy. Wrong. Like, okay, you know, you need to like, they're not going to survive if you don't help it survive. Like maybe. This- yeah. Yeah. And, and despite countless examples of games that, that have, have, have kind of struggled at launch, but have gone on to success. Um, yeah, there's still this prevailing attitude that that first week of sales is the be all and end all. Whereas Nintendo, I don't think have ever felt that. I don't think. I think their their idea. I bet is they to have expectations for it, but Nintendo but yeah, has a I tail built think, in. Yeah, and I think they they see their system as as and the important part of their system is providing content for the person that has the Switch now. But also for the person that buys the Switch for the first time in in two years' time. The fact you know? that people are still buying that Mario Kart Eight and like not thinking yeah. oh, this is an old game, but I'm still going to pay like almost full price for it is kind of, yeah. yeah. Like it's also and it's, just, and it's a, you also just learn. A, I have learned it's like it's not, if I wait for the PlayStation Five game even for half a year, yeah. I know I can get it at half price probably. Even probably God of War in a few months, I'll be able to get it like a bargain basement bin. Yeah, but man, if I want if I want to play. Um, 
Tears of the Kingdom. I may as well buy it on launch day because otherwise I'm going to be waiting You're a not very get it on long sale. time. <laughs> you might get $10 off down the track, but that's about that's it. That's about know. it. Yeah. 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 And they, they've built that value into their own, I guess, ecosystem by taking that approach. And it's, it, it continues to work for them. And despite- making enough of the game solid enough and I, it's probably worth not selling. Like, I mean, they're probably taking a sacrifice, and like, if a game doesn't hit, and they could mm. make it bargain basement price and like recoup the costs. But I, we've gone into like a hold of speculation. Is by like ma- not doing that with anything ever like helps kind of maintain the value of the catalog as a whole. Like the latest Pokemon games from all report were absolute technical shit shows. Yeah, they like, still haven't. I haven't them. heard. I, ha- I haven't heard anything good about them. Um, from a technical standpoint. Uh, and yet, they haven't even tried. Like, if you get a game like that on any other system, that goes straight to bargain bins. Like, you know, mm-hmm. that that's the sort of game you see for 20 bucks. Look, I, I've seen Saints Row, for example, for 20 bucks, 30 bucks. Although you know. Saints Row doesn't have Pokemon written on the thing. If Call, no, of, Duty, if Call of Duty came out that messy as well, it would probably do okay for a it while. It would drop. Well, it would still no, drop, even- though, before Pokemon would. Yeah, yeah, it dropped. Like, World War... What was the last World War one? The World War, last World War Two one, which... Vanguard, that was it. It wasn't very good. And it dropped quickly. Like, within three months, it had dropped to half price. So, yeah, I mean, even Call of Duty's doing it. So, uh, Pokemon, yet it has not. And it's still at full price. And it's broken still, so... But holding <laughs> the value of that brand. Like, you just... Because yep. they have just taught you that it won't get cheaper. Yep. And then it's probably, like, a very valuable thing for them. Anyway, I guess we still don't really know what's going to happen at the end of the year. My fingers are crossed that Metro Prime 4 is now not impossible. I think a new Mario is probably more likely just because of the movie, but... I don't know. Mm. I think a new 2D Mario might come for the movie. If they were going to do a tie-in, it'd be a 2D one. A part of me likes the idea of that, but also hates it, because the, the 2D Marios that they've done recently have been so... bland? Yeah. yeah. They've lost all their... Uh flavor i guess like they've just been sanitized so much for like yeah i have not been a fan at all which sucks because i would love like a really really like delightful eccentric 2d mario game but i that 2d seems to be where they put like that is where you remember those old ads like those early we well in fact they ran the entire system those early like a super like just bleached family friendly we ads yep that's what the 2D yeah. Mario games became, was like, for that very specific image. It's like, no personality left, we just sucked it all out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a shame, because I think a great 2D platformer is, is a timeless game. Like, and Rayman like, Legends, I think, is probably the best. game is really good. Rayman game Legends is really is just, good. It's just fantastic, and I think that has surpassed anything that Nintendo has put out. And I'll, I'll put that stake in the ground, in the 2D 2D platformer realm. And, uh, yeah, it's it's so good, and I'd love to see Mario approach a 2D game. It doesn't have to be as kind of, zany as that, but, like... It doesn't, but, yeah, it, it's it, that flavour that Rayman Legends brought. Like, the bring that just levels, energy and the, creativity and stuff again. Yeah, like. I'd love to see that. I really would, because that's what made... Stop making it look Mario like it was great. made out of clip art, like... Yeah. Yeah, anyway, we are yeah. going to um, wrap it up there, because I think we're starting to talk around in circles. Um, thank you very much for coming on and saving the podcast, you sir. That's all right. I'd love to be here. You know that. It's good fun. Yeah, I'm guessing that your 
um, preview is going to be live roughly about the same time as this podcast goes up. Oh, Maybe the, 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 the preview will be before that, uh, yes, uh, uh, goes live. So the, you'll be able to read my uh, Wild Arms preview and wait uh, not much longer fact, for the depending review, on when actually, you have so. downloaded this maybe you'll be able to read the review as well which which sean's doing for us so you can do that but otherwise there's a whole bunch of stuff i'll have a wanted dead review up uh that's an interesting one and uh you know all the usual guff that i put up on player two you saw 81 on twitter i believe yes I'm assuming that still works we're going to have to make that joke every week until it doesn't anymore. Until it just collapses. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm still at pretend beard there. It, it's getting depressing. Though. Like, I have noticed, like, I don't know if, like, it's just actually that broken. Like, it's just filtering whatever. When-